Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at TTP underscore Charlie. And we are part of the Built in Buffalo Podcasting Network. Today I am going to give you my thoughts on the Rams Super Bowl win over the Bengals. And we are going to, I'm going to give you a preview of the NFL's sort of off-season schedule. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what the Bills, I think, can learn from, if anything, from the Super Bowl teams. And talk a little bit about the first, you know, finger quotes event of the official off-season. Although, um, you know, coming up, I will I will in-depth each of those events in, in much greater detail. But yes... The Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl 23-20 to in a game that I thought was, I mean, it was okay. It was it was exciting. I, I, don't, I don't know if exciting is the right word for me. I guess maybe it's because I'm a, a neutral observer. My, my attention was on the game for sure, and it, and it certainly, I certainly didn't get bored. Was it the most maybe exciting game ever? No. Uh, you know, and it had your sort of typical things that happened in an NFL game, right? The the officiating really wasn't much of a factor at all. That's good in a way. Although I will say that this whole idea of the officiating not being a factor in a way isn't true because not calling penalties also influences the game, right? Like if you have an, uh, an officiating crew that never calls penalties, that's still influence the, influencing the game because there's got to be some penalties that they just choose not to call. And that was kind of the case in the Super Bowl. And then, of course, you had the penalty on the Bengals in the fourth quarter, the holding on Cooper Cup, which I think most people would say probably wasn't really a penalty. And if you are going to say that that is a penalty, it seems weird to go all game, you know, like three quarters or three and a half quarters of the game without calling those type of penalties and then just out of nowhere call a penalty like that. It really kind of doesn't make much sense so I think that was kind of the bigger issue for people with that penalty than than you know even what it was if it was a penalty or not it was just if that is a penalty why are you why didn't you call it like that all game uh, you know a bunch of sort of weird coaching moments as well and this should be a good sign to you if you're a Buffalo Bills fan that even coaches that make the Super Bowl still call dumb plays they still make stupid decisions and I will say the one thing that I am glad about having Sean McDermott. As the Bills head coaches, I think he's a better game manager than Sean McVay or Zach Taylor. Now, is he perfect? No. And some people are glad to see Brian Dable go, and, and they thought that he called weird plays too often. What The Rams, man, the Rams were just determined to run the ball no matter what. And I understand, like, once OBJ got hurt, what are you going to do, sort of? Still, I think the Rams stuck with the run for too long. And then you have, speaking of runs, you have the absolute brutal decision by Zach Taylor on third and one in the fourth quarter to run his second best running back. And to me, it's not even about the second best running back. It's just about like, what are you doing? You've got like 55 seconds or something like that to play and you run the ball. It's third and one and you run the ball. It doesn't matter if they got the first down on a running play or they got 20 yards. You still have to call a timeout. Either way, whether you get it on third third down or not, with the run, you still have to stop the clock. That's my point. That's why you just have to pass. Just pass the ball, man. And I I understand that like your offensive line is is they're they're a bad offensive line. But you got this far with it. 
And you just got to ride till you die, man. And that was just a brutal, brutal call by Zach Taylor, third and one, running the ball. And that's a game where you, you kind of, I feel like you almost like lost the game right there. Like you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. It's the same thing with, you know, that sequence with the Bills against the Chiefs where they the Bills forced the Chiefs to punt. They just ran it three times and punted it right back. Like, what is that? You're taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. You're taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. It's just a bad idea. And who knows if the Bengals will ever get here again. Their roster isn't that great. Their offensive line is terrible. Yes, do they have good wide receivers? They have a good running back? They have an okay tight end? And they have Joe Burrow, right? Okay. They're, you know, their linebackers are, are okay. Their defensive line is pretty good. They have a decent secondary. But they don't know if they're ever going to be back. Do you, do you see a situation where the Cincinnati Bengals are going to consistently beat the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills year after year after year? They might not get back again for 10 years. They might be back next year, but the odds are, right, that they're probably not going to be back. So in that moment, when you're a little ahead of schedule, you find yourself in the Super Bowl, you're going to run the ball? Third and one. Like, either way, you have to call a timeout. just didn't make any sense to me. I think that the the way the Rams have built their team has certainly been validated. That There's no doubt about that. But let's now let's be clear, though. I want to be clear about... One thing when it comes to the Rams, and maybe I'll do a bigger episode on this in the offseason, like in the summertime. But yeah, they traded for those stars, and they've given up a lot of first-round picks. But go take a look at how many picks the Los Angeles Rams have had. I'll, I'll read it off to you. I'm going to read it off to you. So in 2016, the Rams drafted in the, in the 2016 NFL Draft. The Rams drafted Jared Goff first overall, okay? Now let's go to 2017. In 2017, they had they had traded away their first-round pick that year, so they didn't have a first-round pick in 2017, okay? But they still ended up with eight picks overall. They got Gerald Everett in the second round, Cooper Cup in the third round, John Johnson in the third round, who now plays for the Browns inside a huge free agent deal. Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, uh, fourth round. Samson Ekubam, fourth round. A couple other guys. All right, 2018. Again, this year they didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick. So their their first pick was in the th- in, in 2018. Their first pick was in the third round. They got Joseph Noteboom. Their next pick was Brian Allen. Third and fourth round guys, two center, two starters on their offensive line. Then they got John Franklin Myers, Micah Kaiser, Agbana Akaranru, John Kelly, Jamil Denby, Sebastian Joseph Day. Look, they had, the Rams had two, four, six, eight. They had eleven draft picks in 2018, and all those guys are still in the league. Now they're not all Pro Bowlers or whatever you want to say, but they're all in the league. Okay, let's go to 2019. Again, no first-round pick. What do they do? Second round, Taylor Rapp. Third round, Daryl Henderson. Third round, David Long. Third round, Bobby Evans. Fourth round, Greg Gaines. You see what I'm saying? So again, two, four, they got eight eight draft picks in 2019. Let's go to 2020. Again, no first-round picks, right? But they had nine picks overall. Who'd they get in the 2020 draft? Cam Akers, Van Jefferson. Terrell Lewis, Terrell Burgess, Bryson Hopkins, Jordan Fuller, Sam Sloman, Clay Johnston, Tremaine Atram, 
So, like, they're getting players. Let's go to 2021. Same thing. No first-round pick. Who'd they get in the draft? Tutu Atwell, Ernest Jones, Bobby Brown, Jacob Harris, Robert Rochelle. I mean, they're just getting guys, and they're getting... So, they haven't had at least eight picks this whole time where they haven't had any first-round picks. They're still getting at least eight picks, and they're hitting on him. So, my point is, is that if you do what the Rams do and trade your first-round picks and occasionally like a second or a third for stars, it can work if you have a great coaching staff, a great front office, because you've got to hit on those other picks at a very, very high rate. And if you do that, you'll be fine. And obviously you can mess around with the salary cap, but in terms of of draft, um, you know, assets, that kind of thing, this can work, but you, on the backside of the draft, if you will, you've got to hit on a lot of guys. I'm willing to bet you, and I'll tell you this because my analytics company, Trust the Process Analytics, is all about measuring this exact thing. I'll be able to tell you in two or three weeks who's a better GM in terms of the NFL draft, or maybe just in terms of in general. Is it Brandon Bean or is it the Rams GM? Is it Les Snead? Who's done a better job? I'll be able to tell you hit rate. I'll be able to tell you how much value those teams got from their picks so far. So if you're going to build this team like that, that that's fine. But a team you know, who, who has Trent Baalke as their GM and Adam Gase as their coach can't build this way because they just don't have the acumen for it, the, the scouting acumen, the coaching acumen. But you get a good, good franchise – and things like this can happen and they can work well. What do the Buffalo Bills, if anything, have to learn from the Bengals or the Rams in terms of team building? And I think the ob- the answer is pretty obvious to all of us, right? They've got to get better defensive linemen. You've got to get better defensive linemen. That is the key to it all. Now, would it be great to have another corner, and will they look at corner maybe because Trey White may not be 100% until the 2023 offseason, until the the time between the 2022 season ending and the 2023 season beginning. ACL injuries can be 18-month injuries. So will the Bills look to add a corner? Maybe, but the key is the defensive line. Look what happened with the defensive line, with Aaron Donald, with Leonard Floyd. I'm not saying, look, Aaron Donald's probably the greatest defensive player ever to ever play. I'm not saying you can find an Aaron Donald. I'm not saying that Ed Oliver is Aaron Donald. That's not what I'm saying. But you've got guys, this is extremely deep draft. Extremely deep draft for edge players. Like there's like 17 edge players that are probably going to go in the top 100. I don't know if that's ever been done before. And they're all they're all you know reported to be guys with skills with good upside. We'll see. I'll, I'm going to get into some scouting later on uh, in March. So you have that, and then you've got potential free agents like Chandler Jones, Von Miller. Melvin Ingram. So whether the Bills draft a guy or they sign a guy or they draft a guy and they sign a guy, the Buffalo Bills, and don't don't overlook the interior of the defensive line either. They might have to draft a defensive tackle, you know, with their first pick. We'll see. But 
that's what I took away from this is that you've got, and this is I'm sure what everyone, I know all the other podcasters have been talking about this. A lot of people have been writing. You've got to get better at the defensive line. You just have to. That That's the last step. And, of course, we want we want to get a little better um, on the offensive line. And certainly, you know, Daryl Williams probably won't be back for 2023. So you want a, a developmental, a talented developmental guy who can plug into the into the starting lineup uh, for the 2023 season. So you want to draft that guy now anyway. But, you know, I'm talking about, like, the immediate need. The immediate need is defensive line. And if you don't feel that that's the case, I mean... I don't know. I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I don't think we were watching this, the same game and the same team if, if you don't think that defensive line is, is, like, the most important thing. And speaking of the draft, speaking of the offseason, all this kind of stuff, the offseason has officially, officially, officially started. So I'm going to take you through the schedule, and I'll be previewing all these events as best I can, starting with... February 19th. February 19th is the HBCU Legacy Bowl in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's the historic black college university Legacy Bowl. So I'm just going to read to you what it says here on their website just so that there's no confusion. The HBCU Legacy Bowl presented by the Black College Football Hall of Fame is a postseason all-star game showcasing the best NFL draft eligible football players from historically black colleges and universities. It will be broadcast live on NFL Network. More than a football game, the week-long celebration of black culture and history will provide invaluable exposure for HBCU students. Um, And obviously guys like Doug Williams, Mel Blount, uh, Art Shell have, have come from schools like this. So you're thinking it's schools like Grambling University, um, stuff like that. Uh, it, it's so it's a it's a chance for these players to get in front of NFL coaches, scouts, general managers. I'm sure all the teams will have have representatives down there. So that's kind of the first, you know, it's maybe it might be the last All-Star game because the Senior Bowl has already happened, the East-West Shrine game has already happened, but this is like the first event of of the offseason when there's no NFL football going on. Then starting March 1st to March 7th is the NFL Scouting Combine, which is again in Indianapolis. It should stay in Indianapolis, like just uh, I don't know why the NFL, well I know why they want to move it. Cuz they want money, but it should just stay in Indianapolis. I'll have a big episode on the scouting combine, getting you guys ready for what to look for, what's important, what means absolutely nothing when it comes to the scouting combine. Then on March 8th, prior to 4 p.m., New York time, the deadline for clubs to designate franchise or to transition players. So if your team's going to put the franchise tag on somebody, they've got to do it before 4 p.m. on March 8th. Now we get to the weird time where it's free agency, but it's not free agency. This is the March 14th to March 16th before 4 o'clock, I think, on on the 16th. This is like the legal tampering period. This is basically where you can contact potential free agents from other teams, work to get a contract signed. And then this is why like on the day the free agency starts, well, all of a sudden all these contracts are being announced. So this is where all the clubs, the agents, the players work on, you know, contracts. Like I said, like Von Miller, Chandler Jones, all these big contracts. These are all worked out then. They're announced at 4 o'clock on March 16th. 
And this is an official, what it officially says on the league. During the period beginning at 12 noon New York time on March 14th and extending till 3.59 p.m. New York time on March 16th, clubs are permitted to contact and enter into contract negotiations with the certified agents of players who will become unrestricted free agents upon the expiration of their 2021 player contracts at 4 p.m. on March 16th. So you can talk to the agents. You can't technically talk to the players. During the above two-day negotiating period, a prospective unrestricted free agent who is not represented by an NFLPA-certified contract advisor is permitted to communicate directly with a new club's front office officials. The only person I know about who does that in the NFL is Lamar Jackson. So we'll see. So basically, the new NFL year for salary cap purposes and all that stuff begins on March 16th at 4 o'clock New York State time if that's what you want to say so that's when so when you're talking about salary cap and you hear people talking about salary cap and and how bonuses are are given if a guy's on the roster on the third day of the new year or the first day of the new year so just for your frame of reference the 2022 nfl league year officially starts march 16th 2022 4 p.m eastern standard time this is also when a trading period begins, right now you can't trade anybody. So now the trading period is open, and that trading period will run until I think week week eight of the regular season. Uh, let's see what comes up next. March twenty seventh to thirtieth, the annual league meeting in Palm Beach. That's usually where some new rules pop out of nowhere. April fourth, clubs that hired a new head coach at the end of the twenty twenty one regular season may begin off season workout programs. So nine teams can begin those workouts. And then April 18th, clubs with returning head coaches may begin off-season workout programs. April 20th is the deadline to bring draft-eligible players to a team's facility for a physical examination. April 22 is the deadline for restricted free agents to sign offer sheets. April 27th is the deadline for a prior club to exercise the right of first refusal on restricted free agents. April 27th is also the deadline to time, test, and interview draft-eligible players. And April 28th through 30th is the NFL Draft, which will be in Las Vegas, Nevada. The NFL Draft is by far my favorite NFL event of the year. I like it better than the Super Bowl. I like it better than the games. I like it better than everything else, except maybe free agency. I like free agency. But the draft is my thing. I love it. I think it's great. So between now, basically... And April 27th, this is when you get all the, the pro days in the colleges and, and the, the 30 visits, right, where teams can bring bring players into the facilities. Guys like Ryan Talbot do a great job at tracking this, um, you know, who the Bills brought in, who they didn't bring in, and trying to, to read the tea leaves. Uh, the Bills beat reporters do a great job of, of keeping track of this and certainly giving us some information. So after the draft, what happens? Well... Then you start into the thing. There's some mini camps. There's some rookie camps. And then it's it's kind of a vacation. Training camps usually start around July 22nd-ish, 25th. So the month of June and the two or three weeks in July are really, really pretty boring. That's when everyone who, who covers the NFL, whether they get paid or not, struggles to find content. We're not going to struggle to find content. I mean, we are here at Built in Buffalo, but we'll figure it out. 
We'll continue to bring you guys Buffalo Bills talk, NFL talk. I have a sneaking suspicion that Built in Buffalo will be starting a website very soon for written articles. So keep your eye out for that. Make sure you follow Built in Buffalo on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, maybe. Do we have, I don't know if we have TikTok, whatever, who cares? TikTok's weird anyway. Make sure you check out all the YouTube shows. Make sure you check out all the podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to check out the other ones. I thank you for listening. Leave us a rating and a review. If you can do that on the place that you're listening, we really appreciate it. Leave a comment or subscribe on the YouTube channels, the YouTube shows, and check us out on Twitter. I think that's where a lot of us do most of our um, you know, sort of commentary and, and interacting with other fans. So if you want to interact with us, Find uh, most of us on Twitter. Have a, we have a great Facebook group. It's almost at 40,000 people. All kinds of stuff going on in there as well. Please feel free to check that out. And i leave you with this, of course, Bills Mafia. Find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.